Is obedience a big deal? Is diligence a big deal in a true believer's heart? If you're here today, you're not truly a believer, uh, this is going to be tough sledding. But if you're a true believer in Christ today, my prayer is that, that you will be drawn to the foot of the cross right now, that you'll be drawn to the empty tomb, that you will be drawn to the side of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll begin to cry, and oh God, do a work only you can do in my life. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, great God and merciful Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer our own, but we surrender everything to You. So merciful God, would You speak to our hearts today? Would You encourage us? Would You challenge us from Your Word? Would You show us Your glory? Would You reveal Your truth? that we might go among, just not here in this community, but across the state and the country and to the nations, proclaiming Your goodness and how awesome You are. So, Fathers, we bow before You today. Holy Spirit, would You move across this room in in a powerful way. May we never be the same again when we leave here. May you draw us close to your side, Jesus. May you make us conformed into your image, O Lord. For those that are hurting and struggling, we pray for them right now, God. Show yourself mighty in their lives, that you're near and you're not far, but you're an ever-present help in time of need. O Father, give me your words, not my own. And may the words of my mouth, O God, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to You and only You, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, as we're looking together in this great two-verse passage of 10 and 11 as we journey through this together. As I was praying and thinking through this past week, the word that the Lord would give me to share, but also for my own soul to feast upon, to be nourished by, I was captivated by this ever-present thought that I've mentioned before, but I pray that we resonate with it again. And as a body of believers here at this church, uh, we believe in the power of the Word. Can I get an amen? Uh, We believe it's the Word of God that will set you free, that will nourish and feed your soul. And, And with that thought, we must be in the Word to truly live out the Word. Let me say that one more time. I, you, must be in the Word to truly live out the Word. In our culture today, we're, we're living in difficult days, and you know this, I don't need to tell you this, but 
We're living in difficult, perilous times where there's so much that's jockeying for our attention, so much that's, that's clamoring for our affections. And we must be a people, I must be a pastor that understands that the gospel is not about punching a ticket and just getting to heaven. The gospel is about transformation. The gospel is about a life that realizes where they stand in regards to God, and they realize that they're separated, and Christ brings them near by His blood, by His righteousness. That's a beautiful place to be, by the way, isn't it? Amen? I mean, when you're at the place of just desperation, and you realize the why, just not the what, that you begin to resonate about the cause. And this is so beautiful, when you get a group of people together that have been truly transformed by the blood of Jesus, that group of people will want to get behind the cause because they firsthand are living the beautiful benefits of the cause. Here in this two-verse section today in Second Peter, I'm reminded of the cause. Read with me for a moment here in verses 8 and 9 to give us context. And we'll jump right into 10 and 11. Here's what Peter writes, good old Peter, struggling Peter who finally got it and was used mightily for God's glory. Verse 8 of 2 Peter chapter 1, for if these qualities, remember the seven qualities, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love are yours, personal, you own them, they own you and are increasing, they're superabounding, ever-increasing in your life, sanctification, they will do something, they will keep you, they will prevent you from, they will guard you from being ineffective, spiritually useless, or even unfruitful, spiritually barren. In what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, for whoever lacks does not possess, is what he's saying there, these qualities, is so nearsighted, here's a visual, that he's blind, spiritually speaking, having forgotten their spiritual amnesia, that he was cleansed, that he was purged, that he was purified from his former sins. Now, just pause there for a moment as we launch into two verses. Do you see so clearly, I pray you see clearly this morning, why the enemy is so adamant about keeping me and you out of our Bibles? That's the assault, that's the trick, that's the lure, that's the seduction. If I can just keep a person out of their Bible, he knows this, that's where you're going to get your spiritual fuel for the week. That's where you're going to get your spiritual fuel for the day, the moment, the second. That's where you're going to get your hope. So he's going to attack the very essence of where you can get what you need. That's what the enemy does. He always attacks where you're going to get what you need spiritually. I've heard this over the years, you know, well, I hear the teaching and and I hear the words open and, you know, it's just not doing anything for me. That's the wrong way of thinking. The right way of thinking is, I want the Word to, to do something 
to me and in me. That's the right way to think. No longer, what can it do for me? That's consumerism. That's the American way. No, but the humble way is, God, what do you want to do in me today? God, what is it you want to refine in me and prune in me today? That's a life that desires to be drawn closer and nearer to the cross of thee. You say, well, what's that have to do with verse 10? Well, let's look and see. Look in your Bible in front of you, verse 10. It says these beautiful words, therefore, <laughs> there's the why. Anytime you see the word therefore, just go up in the preceding verses. Therefore, brothers, brothers not as in, hey, you're my brother. No, brothers as in, you are my fellowship of believers is what he's saying. Be all the more, did you catch this? Because of what was just read there in the preceding verses, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Oh boy, here we go. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Hmm, wow, that seems interesting. Some translations read fall. For in this way, there will be what richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of God, that kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to write down key number one out of the gate here. Just write this down in your notes. Diligently pursuing and practicing the seven qualities listed in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, it's the seven I just mentioned, will keep me from sin and will give evidence of my spiritual rescue. Let me say that one more time as you're writing that down. Let me just say it slowly. Hopefully it will sink in. You can marinate on it. Diligently pursuing and practicing. Very important. The connection between the diligence and the practicing. The seven qualities listed in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 will keep me, make it personal, will keep me from sin and will give evidence of my spiritual rescue. It's interesting when you look there in your Bible in front of you in verse 10, it says this, therefore, brothers, be. You go, wait a minute, what's the big deal with the word be? Be. It's very, very important. When he writes this, Peter, by the power and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, he says, therefore be, he's referring to two things here. Think through this. It's a two-letter word, and it means to do this. So when he says be, he's not suggesting by the Holy Spirit's illumination, he's saying, go obey. He's saying, do these things. I know people often say, what do you mean? Do, do I, I got to do something? Yes, we, we got to do something. We just don't sit and just, hey, you know, we, we raised the hand, right, said the prayer, did the cartwheel, signed the card, got dunked, and somehow, poof, osmosis happens, and now we're being sanctified. There is a working out our salvation with fear and trembling is what the Word says. Now, the enemy would want to con us in and dupe us and seduce us and say, hey, you already did the external, man, you're good to go, just go live however you want, but that's anti-biblical, 
The Bible is very clear right here in this example, like right here. Therefore, brothers, be, do, all the more diligent. Well, if someone was to come to you today and say, man, I want you, let's go back to the parent illustration. Your child needs to clean their room, amen? And you want them to get it done yesterday, right? There's sometimes, you may not say this, but you mean this, in your tone and the other words you use, I need you, my precious child, who I gave life to, to be all the more diligent like right now. That There's something very motivating about that, isn't there? See, this diligence is so important, and I think we miss this so often in the Americanized evangelicalism. This word diligence here means to exert intense, earnest eagerness and maximum effort repetitively. Let me read that one more time. To exert intense, earnest, eager, maximum effort repetitively. Let's take that definition back up to verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more what? There it is. Use intense exertion of earnest, eager, maximum effort spiritually to confirm your calling and election. Wow. That's powerful, isn't it? You see, why would Peter write something about that? I thought we were saved by grace alone. We are. I thought it was through faith alone. It is. But as once was once said, it's by grace and faith alone but the faith and the grace are not alone. There is evidence of the salvation through what we do. You see this where you go, I'm sure. It might be family members, could be coworkers, neighbors, those that profess the name of Christ, but there is an ongoing, not bearing fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. And it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a habitual pattern that goes on and on and on. Right here, Peter, he's writing again. Here's Peter, denies the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Peter who rebukes Jesus and goes, hey, you can't go to the cross. Jesus goes, oh, yes, I can, buddy. Get behind me, Satan, for you have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Peter finally gets it. The light bulb comes on. He's writing this glorious, glorious book to these believers then, to us today. He's saying, look, I know you're saved by grace. I know you're saved by faith, but there will be an outflow of goodness in your life, not for your salvation, but from your salvation because of what truly transformed inside of you. Think about the opposite of diligence. I made a list, the opposite of diligence. Spiritual apathy, indifference, being lukewarm, non-committed, spiritual laziness. And by the way, all of these things, guess what the world does? I mean, the world gets out its pom-poms, doesn't it? <laughs> it says, go. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> you go, guy. And that's what the world does, right? 
I mean, the world cheerleads all of this, the opposite of spiritual diligence to exert this effort, not for salvation, but from a heart that goes, wait a minute, are you being serious? You mean, in my wicked, depraved state, Jesus said, I'm going to stand in your stead. I'm going to take your place. I'm going to bear the cross you should have bore. I'm going to take your death. I'm going to take that on myself. Are you serious? That's what Jesus did for me? How can there not be a response of, my life is no longer my own. Just take my life, O Lord. Use it for your glory. But instead, the world says, be apathetic. The world says, be indifferent. The world says, be noncommitted. The world says, you don't really need that. The world goes, be lukewarm. And the Bible just screams that those who truly love the Lord will bear fruit worthy of repentance. Think about this thought. When he says to confirm your calling and your election, here's what it means. It means right here in your Bible in front of you to make certain, to make sure, to prove to be true that you were invited and that you were chosen. People go, oh boy, here we go. Here's the deal. There's no doubt in Scripture God is sovereign. I don't know, and I haven't met one person yet that can articulate to me in human terms how free will and how God's sovereignty actually work in minute detail. But I know this, it's both biblical and it's true. And as Spurgeon so gloriously said, why do I need to reconcile friends? Well, there's something about the mystery of salvation. There's just something about the mystery of salvation. And that's the beauty of salvation. That that when you begin to understand that, that, that I and you bring nothing to the table... We bring nothing to this table except a big bag of sin. And Jesus goes, I'm going to die for you. How could anyone in their right mind respond to that with apathy and indifference? So Peter's saying, be diligent. Just button this thing up. Circle the wagons, tighten the fences. As the enemy's slinging his darts, man, just realize what you've been called to. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's conveyed you into the marvelous light of his son Jesus. And the Holy Spirit works in power. The Holy Spirit just begins to ooze in your life. The Holy Spirit begins to show up in a powerful way that you're just crying, Oh God, do a work. Confirming this calling in our lives. Making sure that it's real. 
You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I thought about this scripture to share with you because it really stuck with me hard. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone. This just terrifies me as a pastor. Not everyone who says, man, you know, I was seven and I got baptized. And it's the one who obeys from, from the salvation. It's the one who, who's bearing fruit from the salvation. Lord, Lord. Lord, I'm not accepting you. I'm asking you to accept me. And that's the heart that's humble and contrite and is not asking what can this do for me. It's hard to say, God, I want you to do something in me and to me. It's what we call this sanctification. Some people aren't sure if they're truly saved. I've seen that over the years. How do you know? Well, what does the Bible say right in front of you? It says this, for if you practice... It means this, to do, to perform, to, to carry out, to obey on, on an ongoing basis. doesn't mean we don't stumble. We all stumble. We all struggle. We're all recalibrating from time to time of a, of a thought, of a, a bitterness, of perhaps anger, of jealousy. Well, you fill in the blank, whatever you're dealing with on your horizon. I know what I'm struggling with. But there's a constant running back to the cross, a constant running back in repentance. There's a, there's a constantness in our lives, not a hard-heartedness, not a rebellion, not a stiff-neckedness, but a, just a soft, tender heart. But we practice these things because then we'll know that it's confirmed in our lives, that it's real. I always try to communicate it like this, that you know, when you do something, when I do something that is not of the Lord, do you know that feeling you get the moment you do it typically? And you're like, ooh. You guys know what I'm talking about? You kind of go, ooh. Maybe you actually say, ooh. That's the Holy Spirit. He's working in my life and your life going, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Don't do that. Don't say that about that person. Don't think that. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Ooh. Ooh. It's a good thing because once you quench and grieve the ooh, it's not good. Here Peter's saying, look, understand this so clearly. Meditate on it. Here's a challenge for you. I want you to do this this afternoon. How many of you, by a show of hands, think that you have seven free minutes this afternoon? Seven free minutes. Anyone? I know I do. A couple of us, seven free minutes? A couple of us? So for you that have seven free minutes 
turn off the TV or you know, whatever else. Just seven free minutes. Here's what I want you to do. Take these seven characteristics that we've been studying now. These seven right here. The seven that we listed. What are they? Well, here they are. Virtue and knowledge of Jesus, self-control, steadfastness, holiness, brotherly affection, love. You take seven. Take one minute for each one. I want you to take seven total minutes. Take one minute for each one, okay? I want you to seek the Lord in those seven minutes. Boom, 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 boom. Go down the line, all seven of them. And after seven minutes is over, after you and I are pursuing for one minute each of those things, I want you to get a sheet of paper, and I want you to write down on both the front and the back of the paper all the things you did that sinned against God during those seven minutes. Isn't that interesting? See, the more that we practice and we perform and we obey and we do the things of the Lord, it's going to keep us, as the Bible says right here, from sin. It's when we get out of those things and we bring our own thinking into the equation and we go, well, you know, this is that and these are my opinions, this is my personality, blah, 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 and things begin just to go off the rails. No, we just practice these things and God will reveal to us where we stand with Him in this equation. John chapter 14, verse 15, write it down, says this, 14, 15, easy to remember from the book of John, if you can count. It says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, he's throwing down there, isn't he? Like, if you really love me, Jesus speaking, if you really love me, you're going to obey me. See, obedience is an outflow of true conversion. Obedience gives evidence of salvation. People say obedience is not a big deal. It's a huge deal. We, we battle in this anti-nomianism culture, anti-against-God, nomian. You think about uh, the knowledge, God's moral law. Uh, I'm saved by grace and faith alone. Amen, amen, amen. However, we know this, that faith without works is dead. We're not saved from our works, but our works give evidence that they show that the dead life has been brought to life. Luke eleven twenty eight, but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And James 1.22 says so beautifully, but be doers of the word, obeyers of the word, not sayers, obeyers, and not hearers only, deceiving who? Yourselves. Is obedience a big deal? Is diligence a big deal in a true believer's heart? If you're here today, you're not truly a believer, uh, this is going to be tough sledding. But if you're a true believer in Christ today, my prayer is that, that you will be drawn to the foot of the cross right now, that you'll be drawn to the empty tomb, that you will be drawn to the side of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll begin to cry, and oh God, do a work only you can do in my life. That's my prayer for me. And I pray that's the prayer for you. Oswald Chambers said it like this, we have to get into the habit of carefully listening to God about everything, forming the habit of finding out what He says, and then heeding it, obeying it, end quote. Get into that habit today. God, what do you want from me? God, how can you be used in my life? I'm going to go to work tomorrow, God, and how do you want to use me at the factory? 
Man, when I get to the factory tomorrow, how can you use me for your glory? I'm going to go into a difficult situation. I'm going into darkness. God, what do you want to do in my life? How can you use me there? If you're a homeschooling mom, if you're a teacher, if you're a tow truck driver, if you're a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, if you're a real estate person, whatever you're doing in your life, that that every day would be, God, my life is not mine any longer. I've given my life to you. You use it for your glory and, and show off your glory in me and help me to decrease while you increase that many may run to the cross and find healing for their souls. It's interesting when you read our last verse, verse 11. He buttons it up. He just takes a a red ribbon, Peter does, and he just fashions a beautiful bow. Remember, obedience to the Lord is a joyful response to who He is, to what He's done, but also what He asks of us to do. And here's the result of the obedience. Verse 11, for in this way, in this obedience to those seven virtues, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, that's an amen moment, isn't it? Like, I don't know about you, but is anyone else besides me looking forward to heaven? Amen. Everybody's hand should be up high, right? I mean, we're just, I can't wait to to be in the presence of King Jesus. It's just going to be amazing. Like, no more pain, no more suffering. But we're still here on planet Earth, and we got a mission to carry out. We got a cause to get behind. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are warring against the forces of darkness, is what Ephesians chapter 6 tells us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, we're wrestling against spiritual principalities. And spiritual principalities will go, keep people out of their Bibles. Because they know it's the one thing that will set them free. Not be entertained. Not what can I do for me. But prayerfully with a a heart that's tender and soft, we'll start pleading with the Lord, oh God, do something in me and do something to me. That's why our last key, I want you to write this down, key number two. Write this down in your notes. If I am truly saved by the grace of God through faith alone in Christ, these seven qualities listed in 2 Peter 1, 5-7 will be intensifying in my life. And eternal life with God my Father awaits. Let me say that one more time. Key number two. If I'm truly saved, it's real. It's not fake, not a charade, but it's real. By the grace of God, through faith alone in Jesus Christ, these seven qualities that are listed right here in your Bible, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, will be intensifying in my life and eternal life with God my Father awaits. We might call it like this, persevering faith. It perseveres. When when it's real, it perseveres. No matter the pushback, no matter what you're dealing with, of the onslaught of the fiery darts of the enemy, you just persevere, you just press on. In this way, well, what? Practicing and performing these seven qualities is what he's referring to specifically here. They'll be richly provided to you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Here's Peter's point. If you're truly saved and you are obeying and living out these qualities as an outflow of the Spirit in your life, that when you walk according to the flesh, 
It's not good, but when you walk according to the Spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We just illustrated that in the seven-minute challenge, we're going to call it. The seven-minute challenge. Man, when you're in the Spirit and you're praying and you're in the Word, for seven minutes there of those seven key virtues, prayerfully, that piece of paper that you're going to write all your sin on is going to be blank, amen? Because, man, you are just in communion with the Lord. You are dialed in. You are focused. It's an outflow. Don't miss this. It's an outflow when you're really saved. It's an outflow of now who owns you. And that's my fear. I believe all over this country, there's people inside churches right now that the reality is their life is still their own. And I think through that, and it brings me to tears. Because Jesus says right here in the Word, the truth, in John 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's it's very exclusive. When you go to work tomorrow and you're hearing, you know, how about this and that, and all roads lead to the Disneyland in the sky, and as you boldly go, wait a minute, look, here's the deal. I know this. Here's here's my glory story. You want to hear my glory story? Man, I'm walking in sin and shame. I'm walking for, you know, for my life, for myself, and I'm living for me. I'm partying for the weekend, and then Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit comes into my life and changes my life and my life's no longer the same and he can do the same for you but it's only through Jesus there is no other name the Bible says that you can be saved but only by the name of Jesus Christ people go well man as a pastor you're gonna need to start waffling on that no I'm not that's a hill we're dying on amen it's Jesus Christ and his blood his righteousness why because we're gonna fight for that cause We're going to fight for that cause. I mean, we're going to fight to the very end. It is Jesus Christ and no one else that can save. And all God's people said, John 11, 25-26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he what? shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? Here's where this thing goes off the rails. In the Americanized culture, we take the word believe and we regulate it to intellectualism. If I just somehow believe this, I'm good. That's not what it means. When you study the word believe in the New Testament, it's an active word. There's something going on there. It's an intellectual belief, amen. It's an emotional response, but even the demons believe and tremble. Now we're on par with the demons. Something else has to happen. There's an act of the will that the Holy Spirit gets in there, and it turns my life upside down from the inside out. Yes, I believe it intellectually. Yes, emotionally I'm stirred. But now I surrender my life to Jesus. That's what that word means. And when Jesus says, do you believe this, that's what he means. And boy, how that wars against the American message. But it's biblical. Think about this verse, John 17, 3. 
And this is eternal life, that they what? That they know you. Intimacy, surrender, they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Second Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, Why? So that in Him, did you catch that? That in Him, not apart from Him, that in Him, as we surrender our lives to Him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's why it's so beautiful in Hebrews chapter 9, 24 through 25. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Don't miss that nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood not his own. For then, what? He would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of that world, of the world. But, here it is, but. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, all God's people said, Amen. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having what been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with the sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Amen. I hope you're eagerly awaiting because that's who he's coming back for. He's going to save and redeem those who've truly surrendered their lives to him. And lastly, 1 John 5, 10 through 12. Write it down. Whoever believes, we already buttoned up that definition, not just intellectual, believes in the Son of God, has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe... Whoever does not intellectually, emotionally, and surrender their lives to God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And what? And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I don't know about you, but isn't this exciting that we get to live this life on mission for God? We get to get behind the cause that actually saved and redeemed us. And as we do that, we get to tell a whole bunch of people in Chester and around the world, that Jesus loves them, that they can be pulled from the pit of despair. They don't have to walk in the darkness any longer, but they can walk in the light of his love. We get to do this stuff. And there's nothing I would rather do, amen? All for the praise of God's glory. So if you desire today to live out these qualities, I want to warn you though, you're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be interrupted and you're going to be hated. If you today go, I'm going to live these out, I'm going to warn you on the front end, you're going to be inconvenienced, you're going to be interrupted, and you're going to be hated. However, what do we do? Well, we go back to what I mentioned last week, and it's real simple. In John 6, 66, it's not in your notes, but here it is. Here it is, many of the disciples, man, that they were in at one point, it wasn't doing much for them, so they're gone. 
Peter responds. Jesus looks at him and he's like, you want to go too? And Peter says these words, Jesus, where will we go? You have the words of life. Oh, I pray that over me and you today, that no matter if you're being interrupted, if you're being inconvenienced for the gospel, if you're being hated for the gospel, I pray that you are so anchored in the truth of God's word that when those things come against you, when those people come against you, you simply look at Christ and go, we're not going anywhere because we know this Jesus, you have the words of life. And that's a life worth living, amen? Oh, Father, we come before you today, and as we pause and ponder and meditate on these truths, oh God. Lord, I, I just I know this with certainty in my own life, and I, I say this in love all across this room. Oh God, if unless we embrace our own spiritual poverty and our dire need for the gospel. Unless we embrace that, God, the temptation to be led away and led astray will be like that carbon monoxide. We don't see it, nor taste it, nor smell it, but it's happening. Oh God, I pray we'd be like Peter. I pray we'd learn from him today in his words to be diligent, carrying out, practicing these qualities that will keep us from sin, that will keep us on the straight and narrow, that will keep us living a life that honors you, that pleases you, O oh God. And God, help us to not forget that as we please you and live for you, there's joy in that, there's contentment in that. That's, that's a life worth living, God. So, Father, today we just come before you in humble, contrite, bowing before you. Just a bowing before you, God, in humility and contrition. Holy Spirit, may you move all over this place today. Move in power. Soften our hearts, O oh God. Give us a zeal to get behind the cause. Not focusing on the what, but focusing on the why. Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never given their life to you, I pray today will be their day. And may you be glorified in this place today. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.